Unashamed, the recovery podcast. Where we are breaking the shame and stigma of addiction and recovery. One episode at a time. By having real conversations about real recovery. And hello, recovery family. Welcome to another episode of the Unashamed Recovery Podcast, where it is okay to not be okay. I am your host, Josh, uh, addict celebrating recovery from a 20-year porn and sex addiction. On today's episode, we once again bring you a true story of redemption and hope in overcoming addiction. At the center of what the Unashamed Recovery Podcast is all about is breaking the shame and the stigma of addiction and recovery one episode at a time. And we are breaking that barrier by having honest and real conversations with real people in real recovery. These stories feature people who have faced lifelong battles of addiction, hit rock bottom, overcame the hell of addiction, and found lasting sobriety. These stories are raw, unfiltered, and unedited, but most importantly, they are real to show others that we do recover and that there is hope and that there is life after addiction. These stories may contain adult language and adult content and may be a trigger, but to keep these stories as real and true in nature as we can, we don't edit or cut anything out. We honor those who are willing to share by telling their whole story, even the dark, ugly parts of it. Viewer discretion is advised. Recovery fam, it's a proven fact that we heal once the shame is gone. And shame dies when we share our story in a safe place. And I hope that this podcast is a safe place for all, for those who are breaking their anonymity and breaking the shame by sharing and a safe place for everyone who is listening. There's healing in sharing our secrets and our stories of addictions, our trials, our failures, and of our powerlessness, and even more healing in hearing how others recover. So without further delay, let's meet today's guest. Like I mentioned, we do have a guest with us today to share yet another powerful story of hope. My guest today, is an uh, Illinois native living in Pennsylvania. Uh, he has uh, got a blog, it's called Into the Wilderness, and he's also author of the ebook 10 Steps to Living Porn Free. My, epi- uh, my guest today for episode number 11 is Timothy Regal. Hey, Timothy, thank you for uh, joining us today and taking some time out of your busy day to stop by and talk with us. Uh, and to share your amazing story with me and the rest of the recovery family. Well, thanks, Josh. I'm glad, happy, happy to be here and happy to be joining you today. Yes, sir. Glad to have you. Uh, Timothy, uh, I know that uh, you've got a, uh, an incredible story to share with us. And uh, before we dive in and before we start unpacking your 
testimony. Tell the listeners just a little bit about yourself. Kind of give them a, a little background, uh, a little context to the person that uh, you are and to the story that they're going to be hearing. Sure. Well, I'm, I'm uh, like you said, I, I grew up in Illinois. I live in Pennsylvania now. I'm a pastor's son, so I grew up in a, in a pastor's family. Um, I live here in Pennsylvania with my family. I have two, uh, two daughters, and, 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 and uh, I, work, I work actually, I'm, my main job is as a, as a funeral director. Um, I actually work in a funeral home. I've been doing that for a long time. But um, through my story of, of addiction and recovery and redemption through Christ, he's done amazing things in my life. Um, now I'm at the point where I've been able to start this blog and minister to other men. I do online coaching as well for men who are struggling. So um, the Lord has really, has really blessed me and, and used my brokenness to um, help others in, in their fight. That's awesome. That's, that's, that's great. I'm, I'm always excited to talk with individuals who not only have recovered from addiction, but have also they have uh, made that conscious contact with their higher power, not just a higher power, but Jesus Christ. Uh, Absolutely. I may mention this several times. Understand Recovery Podcast, we are a Christian recovery podcast, but I'm not going to sit here and tell somebody, hey, a 12-step Christian recovery program is not the only way. Uh, if you have found sobriety through some of the means, great. I'm all for that, and I'm proud of you. Uh, but for me, my personal experience is much like you. I found my sobriety through a Christian uh, 12-step recovery program. And so that's what we talk about on here, and I'm not knocking another means. Uh, so moving right along, uh, Timothy, uh, sure. as we move and we get into your story, uh, your testimony, like all great stories and all great books, they all have a beginning. Right. What does the beginning of Timothy's book look like? What is chapter number one for you? Well, chapter number one of, of, of my story is just growing up in, in the church. You know, like I said, I was, a, um, I was a pastor's son. So I grew up in the church every Sunday, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and all of that. And I have wonderful parents, a wonderful family and um, got into got into some things when I was a teenager just as a just as a curious kid you know I, I think the church um, you know as much as I'm proud of my upbringing the church in general hasn't done a great job of educating our youth and our teenagers about sex and so when I got into my teenage years in high school you know the big three were don't drink don't smoke don't have sex yeah. And yeah. so when I turned 14 years old, what do you think I wanted to do? <laughs> so I got into, into porn and, and into that just as, just as a curious kid. You know, I'd never experienced anything like that. I had no idea what it was. So I learned, I learned about sex from porn yeah. and got hooked. So that's kind yeah. of where it all started. I can, uh, man, I can, I can see myself in your story yeah. very much. I, it's very similar to the, 
to my upbringing and mine, uh, I grew up Southern Pentecostal. Okay. And we were in church every time the doors were open. Oh, yeah. Um, and, man, and like you said, the church, the church's way of addressing uh, porn and sex is by not addressing it. Right. And, right. you know, I, I 100% agree. They did a, the church does a poor job of doing that. Uh, and so you got introduced at a young age. How did that affect your, your childhood, your coming into the teenage years? How, what kind of role did that early involvement play with you? Well, it was just a whole new lifestyle and a whole new experience that I never had. Um, I wasn't a, a sheltered kid, you know, but, um, you know, I didn't live under a rock, but it was just all these things that have been, I'd been told for so long were just, you know, foreboding. And, and, and all of a sudden I got a taste of it and I was like, oh, this is awesome. <laughs> you know, and um, just went, just went head first into it. Um, yeah. You know, so like I said, that was how I learned about sex. And so I got into some relationships, some girlfriends in high school, got into, into sexual relationships and it just, I just got hooked. Um, and it just, every, it felt like every waking moment was either, you know, looking at porn, trying to look at porn, trying to, to, to get with girls. Um, and it just got worse as I got older. Um, I ended up, um, going kind of the whole band route and I, I play several instruments and, and so I, I pursued the whole band dream and the garage band thing and, and played in bands and went on tour and did all these things. And that, that sort of lifestyle just, just accelerated everything for me. It was the um, sex, drugs, and rock and roll lifestyle. So yeah. as I got older, into my late teens, early 20s, um, it, it really, really went off the rails. Um, you know, eventually porn wasn't enough for me. You know, and I had to start looking at at darker and dirtier and kinkier and and and, and harder porn. Um, eventually, that wasn't enough for me, and I had to go started going into um, online chat rooms and and doing the webcam stuff and, and different things like that. I um, go ahead. You know, uh, with me personally, with my story. Uh, it got to a point in my porn addiction where things, like I said, I, I grew up in the church. I, I've been in the church all my life. And it got to a point where the things that once repulsed me were the very things that I was going and searching for because, like you said, nothing else was doing it for me no more. Absolutely. Just looking at softcore pornography was no longer enough. And yeah. And it's a, it's a slippery slope from once you get into it and you just, you can't stop. It, right. it, it, it takes you further down the rabbit hole than I ever thought it could. And I, it really, looking back on my journey, now, and I know we're, we're talking about your journey, but I'm, I'm relating so much of what you're telling me here. Like yeah. it, it's almost like I'm looking at a mirror myself. <laughs> With me, it was just, I don't know, it was, it was looking back on it, I can't believe how far that I had fallen and with the stuff that I was looking at. Like it was yeah. just, it was crazy. And so it's just, I reckon it's just a, for 
for me, it's a relief to to talk with somebody else who's got that very close similarity. And right. you you described that perfect. And so, uh, well, during this time, uh, Timothy, did uh, did you find yourself in isolation? Did, did that porn addiction kind of push you down into isolation, or or was that not really a big deal for you? Um, not so much. No, I mean I've always been a been a very outgoing and, and, and social guy, but it, it allowed me to it allowed me to live out virtually who I couldn't be in real life. Yeah. So I went through some some hard rejections in in my late teenage years with with girls, um, and re, and I almost kind of created this alter ego where I never got rejected. You know, porn never rejects you. It never says no. Um, it never, um, you know, it doesn't matter if you're awkward, if you're shy, if you're anything like that. It, it you know, it, it's always welcoming you with open arms. And so it kind of almost created this alter ego in me that I was just this super confident um, ladies man that no one ever said no to. And, 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 and it just spiraled out of control. Um, I did get, get married, have kids, you know, foolishly thought that would help it. It didn't. Um, and it, and it, and it just spiraled, spiraled completely out of control. It progressed even farther into, I started having online, um, hookups, meeting girls that I met online. It got to the point of, um, uh, sex clubs and prostitution. And things like that, like like you said, that absolutely disgusted me. Disgusted me then and disgusted me now. But that's how far you can go down this road to the point where you look back and you're like, how in the hell did I get here? Yeah. Um, and what causes that in our brain is I always say we don't, we aren't addicted to porn itself. We aren't addicted to sex itself. We become addicted to the dopamine rush that it gives us. So when we go through that and we look at porn, when we have sex, when we orgasm, when we masturbate, it releases this dopamine rush in your brain. That's what we become addicted to. We become addicted to that euphoric feeling. Um, so we keep having to go back and back and back to the same thing to get that same feeling. Right. Eventually, we need more and more and more of it. It's just so, like with an alcoholic or like a drug addict, right? With that release of that dopamine, right? The only difference with porn from alcoholism and drug addiction, where drug and alcohol, drug addicts and alcoholics crave more and more and more, porn addicts crave different. So you're not you're not watching the same video over and over and over and over again. You've got to find something new, find something novel to release that same amount of dopamine and get, and get that, new, that new feeling. So that's how it progresses from just watching porn online to having to go into the chat rooms, to having to go into the webcams, and then to yeah. meeting up and, and taking out completely huge risks by meeting up with people in person. So that's what happened to me. It just went, just snowballed on top of each other. Um, to the point where I was somewhere and someone that I never even recognized. Man. So talking with people and, and doing these interviews, uh, a common theme for so many people is uh, 
they before they were able to to get help, mm-hmm. they had to hit a rock bottom. Right. Did you ever hit a rock bottom, or what what did your rock bottom look like for you? Well, I, I never had. I don't know if I necessarily had a singular rock bottom moment. Um, I had a number of them, really. Um, I all through this time, I got married at 21. I'm 33 now. All through this time, most of my addiction, I was married and had kids. Um, I'd gotten caught several times by my wife, both with porn and with affairs and and hookups and that sort of stuff. Um, You know, the adultery that I was committing. I talked my way out of it, you know, and just got better at not getting caught. Yeah. You know, um, my wife and I did separate for almost a year. Um, that was a really, a really rough, a rough time. We eventually decided we were going to stick it out through thick or thin. Praise the Lord. She's been um, loving and forgiving throughout the entire process, no matter how much I've hurt her. And this happened several times. I got caught. I mean, multiple times. And, and what was really, I guess, the, the, the breaking point for me was about three years ago. So I had had a couple of really good friends who were, um, I mean, we were best friends. We did everything together, hung out all the time. We'd go on vacations together, kind of did everything together. And they had been my, kind of my accountability partners throughout this. They had, had helped me and guided me and supported me. And they, you know, if I was struggling, I could go to them and they would they would check up on me, make sure I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. But eventually my addiction got so bad that I was lying to them just as much as I was lying to my wife. So the last time um, I had a major relapse and got caught, um, these two friends of mine pretty much disowned me. Pretty much said, we're washing our hands of you, we're done with you, you're beyond help, I don't wanna be a part of this anymore. And while on one hand, I had that major rejection, you know, I felt like I was losing my best friends at the time when I needed the most, it really was a wake up call to me. Um, And that absolutely breaks my heart now. I'm glad it happened because it woke me up, but it breaks my heart now because it wasn't all the damage I had caused my marriage, my family, all the heartache and pain I had caused my wife that wasn't what got me to change. What slapped me in the face and woke me up was losing my buddies, you know, losing the guys I go out for a beer with after work and the guys I go golfing with on the weekend. That loss is what got me to wake up. Not all this pain I'd caused my family and all this heartache I'd caused my wife and almost destroyed my marriage, almost lost my children. All this, that never got me to wake up. But somehow, losing my you know my buddies did yeah um so that breaks my heart now that that's what it took and and but i'm glad it did i'm glad god used them to to wake me up so i got at that point i got serious about getting help are they back in your life now or they still i know i've talked to to one of them a couple of times since then and the other one i haven't talked to at all um so it, it just goes to show that God can use different things to, to wake you up. Um, yeah. He happened to use this. It, it's sad that I lost those relationships, but if, if that's what it took 
to get me to, to shape up, it did. So at that point, I started getting some serious help. I realized, you know what, I can't do this on my own anymore. You know, I've been trying for years. I've been trying harder, praying harder. You know, that, you know, I've, I've done everything I could to try and do this on my own. Yeah. Um, kind of just hoping that it, the problem would go away and no one would ever find out my deep, dark secrets. Um, but that's not how this addiction works. I needed to open up <laughs> yep. and, and, and get serious help. So I got some help from, from some counseling and some coaching and some mentors. Um, started working with some different guys and, and teaming up with some other guys who were going through the same thing I was and, and finally got over a long time, finally got, got control of it and, and to where I control it and it doesn't control me. Um, it's always going to be a constant battle for me. It's a battle for me now. I still get tempted from time to time. Um, I've relapsed since then a couple of times. Um, but I'm at the point now, like I said, where I have control. It doesn't have control of me. That I know what triggers me. I know what, what sets me off. And I know to avoid certain things that I have to avoid. And, and I had to cut certain things and certain people and certain um, circumstances out of my life in order yeah. to, 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 to fully heal. It took a lot of deep diving into my heart and into my soul and realizing what was really going on deep inside my heart that was causing me to seek out porn. Uh, like I said, porn, we don't just get addicted to porn, we get the addiction of that dopamine and that feeling. But what we're searching out through that is we're searching out joy, we're searching out happiness, we're seeking something uh, legitimate is what we're looking for when we look at porn. Um, we're looking for a feeling. We're looking to feel better. We're looking to mask pain. So that's yeah. where this, that's how this becomes so addictive is because it has nothing to do with, with sex, really. Um, it has everything to do with not being able to properly and healthy, find a healthy way to cope with pain and to cope with emotional issues. Um, through a lot of a lot of deep diving, a lot of soul searching, a lot of prayer and meditation and scripture reading with God. I found out what a lot of mine were. Um, you know, a lot of mine was a fear of rejection, a fear of not being good enough. You know, I'd been rejected by, by people and girls and circumstances. Um, so just that feeling of rejection drove me to that. Because like I said, porn never rejects you. It never says no. It never says you're not good enough. You know, you're always the best there ever was. The other was just not a feeling of not being good enough. Um, I grew up with wonderful parents. Uh, I couldn't, God couldn't have blessed me with better parents. Um, but I was always kind of known as Pastor Regal's son, not Tim. Yeah. So trying to live up to that has just been, you know, feeling like I have to live up to that standard and never being able to live up to that standard is, is what drove me into it too. I'm a, I'm one of those rebellious style pastors kids, you know, where, you know, that gets into trouble and, and got, went and got covered with tattoos and, you know, yeah. playing the rock band and, and, and all that sort of stuff. So, but it was that feeling of rejection, not being good enough. I was masking that pain with the porn. Yeah. So that's what I was seeking to feel better. I was seeking to, to cover that up and to escape, you know, so much of porn addiction is escaping from our problems. That's right. Uh, so that's what I was doing with that. And what it took to find freedom and to find healing was to start 
peeling back those layers and, and peeling off some of those band-aids and those scabs that had been there for a long time. That's and right. that's what it took took to find freedom for me. So I know from from my own experience that once I started kind of getting my porn addiction under control and mm -hmm. kind of getting a lid on that and I found out that, like you, my porn addiction was masking loneliness, and it was masking pain, and it was masking my need for affirmation and affection and attention. And after I got a control of my porn addiction, I found that those things were still there. Yeah. I had buried those things up under the porn addiction. And so after I got through with you know working the steps to work on the porn addiction all of those feelings were still there on the surface i had to deal with those was that something similar for you uh, were, were all those things still there under the surface waiting or yeah or how was I, that I had you? to i had to completely relearn how to handle emotions uh, because as a teenager i had learned to to handle these negative emotions and these negative feelings by running the porn so i had to learn healthy ways to um, to deal with feeling rejected, to feel with not being good enough. You know, I had a lot of self-esteem issues I had to work on. Um, you know, I had to kind of relearn all that. I had to learn to find um, fulfillment and purpose. And I found that through, through my faith in Christ. You know, when I started serving him instead of serving myself, that's when I found that purpose and, and meaning. Um, it was just a in my addiction it was always i was always searching for that fulfillment you know it was always oh the next the next video will be enough the next girl yeah. will be enough you know i just need these one more and that'll be enough and i'll be satisfied and fulfilled and it, it was it never ended uh, it was kind of like a, a void that you were trying to fill in your life that absolutely never filled absolutely and, uh, and the same for me is true once again uh when i deepened my relationship with christ yeah. That void that I've been trying to fill all that time was finally becoming filled. I was trying to fill it with the wrong things right. instead of filling it with, you know, with Christ. And I think that was a major point for me. And it sounded like that kind of was the same thing for you as well is, is learning. I mean, we're, we're sitting there trying to put all this, the wrong stuff and fill that void with when, we have to learn what is truly what we're searching for and what is that, you know, we have to fill that void with. Uh, and I, that sounded confusing to me. So I hope that wasn't too confusing for you. Uh, so what did healing and recovery, I know you said that it was through Christ, but what did healing look like for you and your wife through all of this? Because, I mean, that is, Porn and the and the sex addiction and and the affairs that's damaging to uh, a marriage. So, right. and I've talked with several guys who they weren't fortunate enough like you and like me to for their spouse to stay. Right. I've talked with several men where their spouse left and they got a divorce. So, so what was that process of healing? What did that look like for you and your wife? Right. So it, it was a long road. Um, you know, we had committed to each other at one point. 
you know, after we were separated for almost a year and just came back, um, she moved back in and we got back together. We're going to stick this out no matter what happens, you know, and I have, I can't credit any of the healing to myself. I have to credit all that to God because he worked on her and, and allowed her to forgive me and allowed her to have the determination not to give up on me. She knew that, that it wasn't something that I was trying to, um, that through my addiction, I wasn't using that as something I wasn't getting from her. So it took, you know, through through things that she went through and things that conversations we had and counseling she got to get her to understand that my addiction really didn't have anything to do with her. You know, yeah. it wasn't like I was getting something from this that I wasn't getting from her. So her being able to understand that was was a big healing to her. But then I also had to rebuild trust. Yeah, I had to I had to give up a lot of privacy for a lot of years. Um, you know, I had to let her go through my phone just to have that reassurance. Um, you know, I had all the um, uh, software blockers and all that. I had a um, GPS tracker on my phone because so that she could to know where I was all the time. And that's where it, sometimes it takes extreme measures to, to find healing. A lot of guys aren't willing, and I wasn't for a long time, aren't willing to give up that privacy. You know, I wasn't yeah. willing to, you know, oh, you don't need to know where I am every minute. You don't need to know that. But but then I'd go and do whatever I wanted to do and be yeah. part of my addiction. So, so I needed to give up those things. It takes drastic measures, like where Christ talks about if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. You know, it, it's not necessarily a self-mutilation thing, but it, you have to sometimes take drastic measures in order to find that healing. You know, if something's causing you to sin in your life, you have to cut that out. Um, so that's what it took, years of building trust and, and re learning how to communicate with each other and letting her um, and letting her know when I was hurting and when I was feeling pain instead of hiding it from her and use and, and met self-medicating with the porn and the sex. Um, so it took, it took a lot of work for us, you know, but uh, we were able to, by the grace of God and her forgiveness, we were able to make it through. And I think that is an important part that you just hit on, Timothy. I think a lot of people think, that the unforgiveness and the healing and rebuilding trust is overnight and right. it's not an overnight journey by no means it yeah. takes the time to to rebuild that relationship yeah. uh coming infidelity and adultery in a, in a marriage i mean that that just tears down that uh foundation of that marriage and so you can't expect to get all that back within a couple of, you know, six months right, or a right. year. And I, I think that I'm glad you made mention that because that's so important for, for all the, the guys and all the, the ladies out there listening to this. If, if you are in that situation of um, an adultery or infidelity in your relationship and your marriage, it's not going to be an overnight ordeal. It's going to take the time You've got to be engaging and proactive and putting in that time to be intentional with your spouse and go into marriage counseling, go into a therapist, work in a recovery program, uh, doing all those things to rebuild it. Now, I also want to say where if your spouse is not showing the signs of changing mm -hmm. uh, and you're 
sticking out and it's five, six years later and you're still in that same situation, uh, then I would look at different means. Uh, it doesn't right. appear that it would be healing. W would you agree with that, Timothy? Right. Not every, not every marriage can survive porn and sex addiction. But I also believe that porn and sex addiction is an automatic death sentence to a marriage. Yeah. You know, I don't believe that um, either spouse, if they find out their spark, their partner has been addicted to porn or sex or, or has had affairs or had, had adulterous moments that I don't, even while scripture gives us adultery as grounds for divorce, I don't believe that it always is automatic. That's divorce. right. I don't believe that, that infidelity in marriage is a death sentence to that marriage. Marriage can survive. I'm perfect. I'm a perfect example of that. And um, I am too. You know, we went through absolute hell for a few years, uh, but we came out better and stronger than ever. We, we dedicated our, our lives to each other, to God, to our family, to our kids. Um, in fact, we, we celebrated that by, on our 10th wedding anniversary, we renewed our wedding vows. That's and it awesome. was just a, a, a recommittal of ourselves to each other, to our marriage, to our family, and to God. That's amazing. That's great. Uh, and Timothy, that that is where the hope is. Absolutely. That, that right there is what it's all about. To go from the very beginning of your story to the porn addiction, going through the sex addiction or you know, and the adultery and all that, and to go through what you and your wife did and to end up in a stronger marriage, renewed vows. I mean that that that's a miracle, and that right there is the biggest ray of hope that I can think of. Man, you you are a lighthouse of hope to those drowning in the the hopelessness of addiction. And if your story isn't a fiery example of hope, then and if it's not an example of that we do recover, then I, I don't know what is. Right. And Timothy, uh, as we wind down this uh, this little conversation, I've got four questions that I'm going to ask you. Uh, right. These questions, is, I try to end all my episodes with the same questions. Number one, what's the biggest thing that you took? from your story? What are some lessons learned there? I would say the, the biggest lesson that I learned is that no matter how bad your past has been, no matter what horrible things you might have done, or how badly or deeply you might have been entrapped and enslaved to addiction, that there is hope and God can still use you as he's used me. You know, he has a plan to use these struggles, you know, to, to glorify him. You know, he uses broken people to praise the perfect Savior. Um, all throughout Scripture, he used, he didn't use people who were perfect. He used people yeah. who were adulterers, murderers, liars, thieves. And he used them, and they became the great saints of the church. So he can, he's doing the same with me and using my brokenness and my sinful past and using that to be a, a beacon of hope to other people in the same fight and to help bring people to know him 
and know the, the grace and forgiveness that he can provide, he can do that with, with anyone. That's right. Man, that's great. Now, question number two, what would you tell somebody that's going through the same thing that you just came out of? Never give up. Never give up. I battled for over 15 years with this, you know, up and down, in and out, you know, good times, bad times, things would get better for a while, then they go back and forth. It was a constant, constant battle. But it was 15 years before I made significant progress and had a breakthrough. Yeah. So never give up, never stop trying to quit. You know, you may try to quit, and you may make it a few days or weeks or even months, and then you relapse again. Keep quitting, keep trying. Um, if, you, if you fall short, if you slip up, admit it, confess it, learn from it, and get back on the wagon and keep fighting. So never give up. That, that's, that's, a, that's a big one. I think a lot of people, they think of relapse as a destiny. Right, right. And they stay right there in the middle of the relapse. And yeah, so I, I tell guys all the time, two steps forward, one step back is still moving forward. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe maybe you slipped up this week. But last week you, you, you did it five times. So if yeah. this week it's only once, that's still progress. You have to celebrate those small victories and build momentum from those small battles and those small wins. Um, no one ever quits this cold turkey. Yeah. No one ever – you don't just wake up one day and, and, and quit pouring cold turkey. It doesn't happen. Especially uh, when it's been a, a 15-year addiction. Right. I mean, right. yeah, I 100% agree with you. Question number three. What impact do you think that the old you has on the new you? Well, I think I'm so much stronger today having gone through the, the battle that I did. Um, you know, I certainly didn't take the easy route in life, but, but God used it to mold me into the man I am today. So because I went through what I went through, um, I believe my marriage is stronger. Even though I caused horrible damage and horrible pain in my marriage, I believe our marriage is stronger because of it. Um, I'm a better father because of, I've gone through that. Um, I know the importance of being a good man, and I know I know what it means for Christ to wash you white as snow. You know, when scripture says that. I had all this filth and all this dirt and all this sin and all this horrible things that I was doing. But because of the grace and forgiveness of Christ, all that's washed away and set, and I'm set free from that. Um, so because of that, I'm so much stronger um, having been through what I've been through and I'm a better husband, father, and, and man of God because of it. Man, that's amazing. That, that truly is. That, that's good stuff. And our last question, Timothy, question number four, I want to, uh, I want to just uh, thank you for uh, once again coming by and sure. for sharing your incredible story with us today. Uh, thanks for willing to be so open and so vulnerable and I know it's not always an easy thing to to do that. And to show my appreciation, uh, I want to give you the opportunity uh, for an open mic. Now, my show is your show. You have the chance to say anything you want to say to that one person who may be listening that needs to hear what you have to say. So what would you say to that person? Well, I would say to, to, to any any men out there, 
that are battling this, that feel overwhelmed and, and feel enslaved to porn and sex addiction, I want you to know that there is hope. There is hope. You can live porn free. If I can break free out of this addiction, believe me, anyone can. But it takes hard work. It takes having honest conversations with yourself. And it takes laying down your burdens at the cross. Second, I want you to know that you're not alone. You are not alone. There are many, many, many other men who've gone through this same battle that you are, and they can guide you and support you in your battle. So don't fight this war alone. Find a brother, a mentor, a pastor, someone to help you. That's what I do through, through my blog and through my website. I do one-on-one -on -one coaching with men who are fighting porn and sex addiction. What we do is we work together. We dig deep and peel back those layers to, to discover what is inside the addiction, what's causing the addiction, what are those, that emotional pain, that trauma that we're self-medicating through porn. We work together to come up with a plan to fight the addiction, you know, the, the steps you need to take in order to find freedom. I, you know, I'll support you, I'll guide you, provide accountability. So if you're in this battle, don't hesitate to reach out to someone for help. You can reach out to me for help. You can reach out, you know, ask your pastor, ask, ask a friend, a counselor, a therapist, you know, get help. You can't do this alone. And there are men and brothers that are, have been through this battle and are willing to fight with you and alongside you. And with that, y'all, that is all the time we have for today. I hope that today's episode has shined some ray of hope and encouragement for you. I hope it has inspired you to not give up and that you too can have a life outside of addiction and can have lasting sobriety. Recovery fam, don't forget that you can always join me for more recovery conversations on Twitter. Find me at Unashamed Podcast and also use the hashtag Recovery Posse to connect with thousands and thousands of others in the Twitter recovery community worldwide. And guys, do you want to be on the show to share your amazing story with listeners from around the world like my guest today did? Or maybe simply tell me about how I'm doing. Or do you have a question or suggestion for me? Send the show an email at unashamedpodcast at yahoo.com. That's unashamedpodcast at yahoo.com. Thank you for your continued support of the podcast, and I hope you all continue to stay sober. And until next time, I love y'all, and remember to be unashamed.